Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Oh my gosh, you guys. I love Mary's version of this book so much. It's so, so beautiful. And I love this scripture and I love that I get to teach an entire book of the Bible. Normally that doesn't happen. The fact that this happens to be like the shortest book kind of makes it a lot simpler. Um, good morning. Good morning, my beloved church family, whom some of you I get to see on Zoom, some of you I get to see in my backyard or in your backyard, and some of you I haven't gotten to see. I miss each and every one of you. And good morning to all of you that I do not yet know. And I uh, had a busy week, but there was also an earthquake in the middle of it. And I'm thinking, really? And when my bed started to shake, I thought, and now, in 2020, the sky is falling as well. And yet, here we are, alive, full of joy and anxiety. We're depressed, <laughs> we're tired, and we're hopeful. We're longing for God to make all things right. And yet, crazily, He has assigned us to that very task. We're the ones who get to make all things right. He calls that shalom. His promises that he will be with us in that work that he's given us to do. And I've been thinking a lot this week about the work that I get to do, this, this beautiful work of pastoring, work that is sometimes really hard and tiring. Yet when I allow God to call me beloved, to love me, to delight in me, even to dance over me. I know that's kind of cringeworthy, and I long for it. And then I have to choose to receive it. And out of my receiving, that crazy, generous, freely given, beyond abundant love, I respond. And the work and all of my life becomes filled with joy. And that is my prayer for each and every one of us, that we would know the love of God, like Mary said, that we would see his hands reached out, open, open to each and every one of us, and that it would cause our work and all of our life to be filled with joy. So as we open scripture today, we're going to read the entire book of Philemon. I've always wanted to say that, uh, all one chapter of it. Um, yeah, Andrew, can you put those slides up, please? And if you want to read along, I think that could be great. There is something really, I don't know, life-giving about speaking scripture out loud in your own voice. So here goes. And I'm reading this morning from the Passion Translation. From Paul, a prisoner of the Anointed One, Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our precious friend and companion in this work and to the church that meets in his house, along with our dear sister, Aphia, and our fellow soldier, Archippus. May God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, pour out his grace and peace upon you. I am always thankful to my God as I remember you in my prayers because I'm hearing reports about your faith in the Lord Jesus and how much love you have for all his holy followers. 
I pray for you that the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. Your love has impacted me and brings me great joy and encouragement for the hearts of the believers have been greatly refreshed through you, dear brother. Even though I have enough boldness in Christ that I could command you to do what is proper, I'd much rather make an appeal because of our friendship. So here I am, an old man, a prisoner for Christ, making my loving appeal to you. It is on behalf of my child, whose spiritual father I became while here in prison. That is Onesimus. Formerly, formerly he was not useful or valuable to you, but now he is valuable to both of us. He is my very heart, and I've sent him back to you with this letter. I would have preferred to keep him at my side so that he could take your place as my helper during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. However, I did not want to make this decision without your consent so that your act of kindness would not be a matter of obligation, but out of willingness. Perhaps you could think of it this way. He was separated from you for a short time so that you could have him back forever. So welcome him, no longer as a slave, but more than that, as a dearly loved brother, he is that to me especially, and how much more so to you, both humanly speaking and in the Lord. So if you consider me your friend and partner, accept him the same way you would accept me. And if he has stolen anything from you or owes you anything, just place it on my account. I, Paul, have written these words in my own handwriting. I promise to pay you back everything to say nothing of the fact that you owe me your very self. Yes, my brother, enrich my soul in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. I'm writing to you with confidence that you will comply with my request and do even more than I'm asking. And would you do one more thing for me? Since I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you soon, please prepare a guest room for me. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner and the anointed one, Jesus, sends his greetings of peace to you. And so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my companions in this ministry. May the unconditional love of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, be with your spirit. Friends, family, this is the word of the Lord to and for his people, not only in Colossae, but in Long Beach today, in Long Beach and beyond today, like Matt said, into all the world. This is the word of the Lord. May our ears and hearts hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Amen. So this is the story of an authority figure, Paul, and of Philemon, someone Paul has mentored and who is now pastoring a house church in Colossae, and of another man that they both knew a man who was both a slave and a brother in Christ, Onesimus. This book is crazy rich. It's multi-layered. One of the sources that I read, uh, James Earl Massey, he calls this book a social layer cake. Think about that. We've got power, power Paul, 
at the top and we have uselessness at the bottom which is what Philemon said of Onesimus. And then we have that whole middle layer of Philemon and his society and social construct. I'm going to come back to this cake in a little while, but for now, let's just talk a little bit. Let's learn a little bit about slavery in the time of Paul. <sighs> slavery allows one person to own another. And in that season of this world, it was rampant and it was almost universally accepted. Some estimates uh, go as high as 70% of the entire population being slaves of one sort or another. Unlike the later European and American slave trade, it was not race-based. Um, since slaves were property, though, they were very, very vulnerable to extreme abuse. And some were also highly educated and they served as teachers and even wealth and money managers for the families that owned them. Slavery was a part of the economy. It was perceived as an economic necessity. And much of the early churches that we read about in our Bible that Paul and his band founded were made up of both slaves and free, with many of the free coming from the lower classes Today, though, although slavery is illegal in most modern countries, it's still real and present in about 87% of the world's nations. That's crazy. We have forced labor, we have prison, prostitution, sexual trafficking, all of it slavery of one sort or another. And in America, the first slave ship came to our shores to the East Coast in 1619. That's just a little over 400 years ago. We were not even America then. We were being governed by England. Um, we were colonies. And slavery was actually not abolished until 1865, making it legal in, in, this, in this land that we live on for over 250 years. And... It was, nine, it was 1776. I was going to say 1976. But it was 1776 when the United States actually began. So we've only been a nation for 244 years. We have not yet lasted as long as slavery did. And this makes me so sad, but one of the reasons it lasted so long was that Christian slaveholders found ways to justify slavery using the Bible, at least parts of the Bible. There was something called the Slave Bible. It had not a lot of the Old Testament and part of the New Testament. Um, it was not much of the Bible that you and I are able to read. It was redacted. Uh, for instance, it told the story of Joseph moving into slavery, but it did not tell the story of Moses leading his people out of Egypt. Uh, it was produced in England in the early 19th century, and this letter to Philemon was a part of the slave Bible. In America, Philemon became referred to as the Pauline Mandate by slaveholders, and it was used to bolster the fugitive slave laws, laws that required citizens to return escaped and runaway slaves to their owners, slaves like Onesimus. Philemon has a legacy, a dark one. But God, God is the redeemer of all things. 
He is the one who brings light into darkness. And I've said this before, but I have to say it again. Following Jesus, learning to live and love like him, it's costly. It's disruptive. And here is the thing about the gospel. If you take it seriously, if you take it seriously, it'll change you. I'm, I'm going to repeat that. If we, if I, if you take the gospel seriously, it will change us. And it is not a one-time change. It will continually cause us to re-examine our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbors, our enemies, our family, our possessions, our very life. No part of you and I is meant to be left unchanged or untouched when we follow Jesus. And, you know, we say learning. Notice the tense. The tense is continuous. I've said that before also, but that's okay. It is continuous that we learn to live and love. There is no arrival. There is no end until we meet Jesus face to face. And I don't even think there's an end then. I think we'll still be learning. And in that process, we find that we can no longer live just for ourselves or for our family in the learning because one of the things that we learn is that we are all family. I belong to you and you belong to me. My resources are yours and your resources are mine. And I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived completely to that place and I would assert that neither have you. So back to Philemon. This letter from Paul would have been read out loud to the entire church community at Colossae. Paul calls Philemon out. What if the letter was to me? Could I hear it? What if the letter is to you? What might I be blind to or closed-eared to even right now, what would, could Paul be asking me, asking us as community together to hear, to look at with the ears and eyes of our heart and mind, to learn about? I am aware that for me, this is always where God is asking me to give up something that, that I own. It's usually an opinion. Um, it's usually some belief that I hold that I think is the right one. It's right. But with God at my side, I get to look at my own blind spots and choose to learn and be curious. And even again, there, there is no arrival. There is just the journey of hearing, looking, and the process. Paul was asking Philemon to give up something precious, something he owned. Only it wasn't an opinion or an idea, even though it was. It was actually a person, a personal person that he owned, his slave, Onesimus. And Paul is asking him in front of his entire church community. Paul tells Philemon that although he found Onesimus useless, Paul finds him useful. 
which is what his name actually means. The name Onesimus means useful. And while nobody's really sure, most of the commentators agree that Onesimus was a runaway slave who found Paul in prison in Rome, whether on purpose or by accident. And while tending to Paul and spending time with him, he was listening. He was hearing Paul's story. And I know that Paul was asking him about his own story. And somewhere in that process of learning about one another, he heard about Jesus and he became a follower of the way. He became someone who loved Jesus. And I think it's a very huge thing that God is saying to us, to this community of LBCF today, listen to one another's stories, to the stories in our communities, to the stories in our streets, to allow ourselves to be changed by the hearing. You're listening. Creates opportunities for forgiveness, for liberation, for reconciliation, for peacemaking. It empowers both the hearer and the speaker. It dismantles prejudices. It allows room for grace and love, and it ushers in the kingdom of God on earth. It is that work that God calls us to participate in, that work of shalom making, of all things becoming whole. And now Paul has sent Onesimus back to Philemon with the letter. And in front of the community, Philemon is being asked to do not a nice thing, a radical thing, a new thing, an unthinkable and disruptive thing, because that's that's kind of what Jesus was always asking us to do. Philemon is being asked to not just give away what he owns, but to give away his own power and privilege, and to talk, take for just a moment the power and privilege in the middle layer is maybe the hardest to give up. He's being asked to give it up for the sake of love. Love of Christ, love from Christ. He's being asked to give it up for the sake of family. Onesimus is now your brother. As I was studying for this morning, I read these words. Paul is asking Philemon to not just lift Onesimus up, but for Philemon to take a step down until they are both on equal footing, one no better than the other, each as precious and important as the other. That is what makes the gospel so subversive and dangerous. It always promises to upset our apple carts. It showcases injustice and equality, and it will not allow us to look away because it's loudly crying no longer. No more. And we, we have to hear. Sure, we can close our ears. But ultimately, we have to hear that the gospel calls us out. And it reminds us that what we are not changing, we are choosing. If we look closely at the Bible, all of it, not just Philemon, all of it, not just your personal favorite passages or mine, all of it, we're going to find that God consistently asks us, his people, 
to end oppression and stand for justice. When Paul was writing this letter, the church church itself was a relatively new concept, and he's attempting to renegotiate the relationship between two individuals of unequal social status. Mary put that so beautifully. Yet all three are bound together because of Christ. And relationships are messy. In our story, Paul is the one who has the authority. And he has the power. He's the top lawyer. He sets aside his authority to become a prisoner, a slave to Jesus, an old one at that. He chooses to not wield his power and privilege. He actually lays it down. He lays it down for the sake of love. And for us, like for Philemon at the end, all of it is about doing the right thing. Not because we're forced to, but because we are loved. And when we receive that love, the most powerful force, the most powerful force, it's love that has all the power. We have the freedom to choose what is right. Onesimus, the once useless slave, becomes a son, an heir, useful. In Paul's very heart, become standing. Paul asks, if he owes you anything, I will pay it. How much is that like Jesus on the cross? We owe everything. And he says he's paid it. He's paid it all. And again, we cannot underestimate the radical nature of Paul's request in a society where their economic system was founded upon slavery. And today, the reminder is that matters of justice, matters of doing right, first they're personal. They begin in our hearts. I said earlier that I was going to return to the layer cake. And I'm going to do that now as a cook and as a baker. Um, I love to cook and I love to bake things. I have really been baking this particular COVID summer season a lot of upside down cake. And recently, um, I've been perfecting a certain pound cake recipe. So in an upside-down cake, the bottom becomes the top. After the cake is baked, it's upended onto the platter, and what you thought was the bottom now dominates. It becomes the thing that you see. How does this play out in the story? This Bible book called Philemon, the slave becomes family a son. He becomes beloved. And what had been on top, Paul, now is on the bottom and holds everything. Power has been replaced by arms of love, strong enough to bear the burdens of the others. And that center, Philemon, and I think that that's where most of us find ourselves a lot of the time. Yeah, sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. Well, that's why I'm perfecting a pound cake, a beautiful, tall, homogenous mixture of butter and sugar and flour and eggs that is all blended together to create a sweetness that tastes like love and acceptance and freedom. And yet each flavor is distinct because that's what I'm talking about 
when I'm talking about perfecting the cake. I can taste the sugar. I can taste the butter. I can, I can taste, oh my gosh, the egginess of it. I love that those flavors so mixed together are still distinct. And I'm going to read a quote. Jesus is destroying the divide between those enslaved and their masters. Hierarchies nurtured so carefully between the Roman Empire and all the time between then and now are being undone by the spirit who will not release slave or free Jew or Gentile to their own self-interpretations, but will relentlessly prod them to open themselves towards one another with a common goal of life together in Christ. That was a quote from a man by the name of Willie James Jennings. Um, and I'm going to quote him again because reading him really has impacted me. He says, difference is best maintained, maintained in life-giving realities through communion with others. Because you see, we're called to be different. That's the beauty. Only in life shared, joined, and exchanged in desire of being, of being made permanent can differences emerge in their deepest beauty as invitations to the expansion of life and love. Again, pound cake, you guys. We are called to be joined together and to one another. We break open to one another intimately, like the breaking of a loaf of bread and the sharing of a meal. We offer what is in us to the other. We listen. We share our lives, memories, stories, hopes, dreams, touch, laughter, tears, family with one another. And then this sounds like an aside, but it really feels to me like it fits here. Jesus was a Jew. Ponder that. We eat the Jewish God's body and blood with great joy. We serve the God of another people. And we are called over and over again to get the whole gospel and let it change our lives. It is simple. and It is so not easy. Love everyone. The foundation of change is what we allow to happen in our hearts, how we see each other, what stories we are willing to hear and listen to, what blind spots we're willing to have pointed out and then learn about and from the invitation. Imagine what transformations in our relationship and status might look like in the church, in our community, in the spaces that we move every week. And I'm going to quote Willie James Jennings one more time here. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a bridge between the cries of my people and the cries of other people that can be heard in the distance. But we can only hear those cries if we're willing to listen. And can we imagine a new way of seeing and being ourselves? Too few of us. Too few of us have been able to live in the in-between that third space that allows for other voices and other possibilities here at LBCF, we call that third way. It requires humility. It requires grace, both things that can only come from God. As a country and as a people, we find ourselves with differing stories surrounding racism, racism, the legacy from slave owning, 
we know that it was there. And are we willing to consider that it still exists? Are we willing to listen? Could it be in our systems, in the very fabric of our lives? Could it be in us? Are we willing to listen? What is God telling us? What if this letter to Philemon is actually a letter to us? For the sake of love, like Paul, can we lay down our power and privilege? Can we, can LBCS become a house where the struggle for justice meets radical hospitality and where people from every walk of life wander into a space filled with hope, surprise, and very good news, and where we listen? That was another Willie James Jennings quote. It is my last one. Can we hear what the Spirit is saying? Can we lay down our own opinions, our own rightness for the sake of love? Can we hear? Can we listen? James 1, 19 in the Passion Translation says this. Listen, my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen but slow to speak and be slow to become angry. Jesus, may that be so for each and every one of us. I leave you with a question. If the letter is for you, what's God saying? Amen. And now uh, we're going to continue in worshiping through song with Vanessa Longnecker.